Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Eating Crow with Pete Durand. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Eating Crow. World traveler Carlos Hidalgo is joining us today. And by the cap he's wearing, if you're watching this on YouTube, Carlos, you're a Yankee fan? Diehard Yankee fan. I grew up going to Yankee games with my dad, and I, I literally never remember not being a Yankee fan. Favorite Yankee player of all time? Jorge Posada. Jorge, great call. Yeah. I yeah. like Jorge Posada. I, I met him once in Vail, Colorado, and I instantly turned into a 13-year-old girl at a Justin Bieber <laughs> concert. It was pretty embarrassing, <laughs> but uh, it's a great story. <laughs> it, it and, and by the way, when you grew up as a baseball fan, when we were younger, baseball was the thing, right? It was oh yeah, it was the sport. We collected the cards. I've had the opportunity of meeting a couple of really famous baseball players, and it was very interesting how different they were in person versus my perception of them. Yes, I got to take batting practice up a Roger Clemens. Oh wow, yeah, it is. He threw me beatball, so I hit one of the fence. But I, you know, if he really wanted to, I would never even have seen a thing coming. Right. But he's as genuinely nice of a human being in person as you would imagine. He's just a down old Texas boy. Just, just fantastic. Well, we'll have to have a whole baseball discussion about should they be in the Hall of Fame. And yeah, it's... Yeah. Um, well, it the, other, the other person I met was uh, um, somebody who's that, that, that debate is widely open. I will not mention his name only because he was an ass. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, I've met a few of those as well. <laughs> So when we met, I think I was drawn to your uh, to your message first of all on LinkedIn and uh, the story you tell people. But there's a lot more behind the scenes that people may not get until they have actually seen you speak or hear your story. So for the Eating Crow audience, I think your story really resonates almost spot on to the title. So let's start with kind of what you're doing today in your design, your life journey, this consulting business. First, tell us what the message is, right? What you're trying to get people to understand, then walk us backward how you got here, what made you qualify to tell people how to live their life? You know, what I'm doing right now is we have a, a life design coaching practice, uh, just to summarize it. And really what we talk about is let's get back to who God created us to be. Okay. So we can be the best version of ourselves and then live the life that we really desire. And what that stemmed from was my own path, my own process you know, much like a lot of people, when I was a kid, I had some things that happened, some things that were said, some experience that I had that kind of told me who I was. And the reality is it was all a lie. But when you're a kid, you don't really have the emotional intelligence to determine that's a lie. This is true. So I embodied those things. And really, from the time I was about 14 or 15, I just started to live life with a chip on my shoulder in a way to try to disprove those lies that I had believed about myself. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart. I wasn't talented. I was lazy. All these things that from different sources, really meaningful sources in my life have told me at some point in time. And so when you live life with a chip on your shoulder, it's really hard to identify any kind of big why or purpose. And so I kind of took that through my teen years into college and into my professional life of, I'll just prove it. I'll show you guys. And I uh, used it as a motivation for myself to drive my quote unquote success. I had a pretty successful run in marketing departments for big corporations in the software world. And in 2005, I left corporate USA to start my own business, co-founded an agency. 
And I did that more just to be home because I was traveling the world with the last software company, was missing out on my kids' lives. And then I said, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Well, that lasted for a number of years. And then our agency, our consultancy started to take off. And then along with that, so did my ego. And when I look back now, the reason that happened is all of this bravado of I'll show you, I was actually showing people that they were wrong. And I took great pride in that. And the ego does really bizarre things when we let it take over. I mean, the reality is, as my wife used to remind me, she's like, you know, don't forget, you're just doing marketing. You know, I haven't cured cancer, haven't solved Middle East peace. It was just marketing. And she was right. And again, I I value my profession, but I got so carried away with who I was. And in 2015, at the end of 2015, it all fell apart. My marriage fell apart. I had made some really stupid choices personally. I had stepped out on my marriage. I had neglected my kids. I had neglected my relationship with my family, with with God. And so personally, I hit rock bottom. Professionally, I hit rock bottom. And it was, I traded everything for this because from the outside in, you know, we had hit three Inc. 5000 awards. Our agency was killing it. We had name brand clients. I was flying all over the world to speak. So from the outside, people are like, oh, you are so wildly successful. The reality is I was miserable. So you might hear that and say, this guy is not at all qualified to be telling me what I should do from a life perspective. But what I've done around life design and what my wife and I have put together are the steps that we took for me to and for her to really get back to who did God create me to be? How can I live my best life possible? And now where we are here almost seven years later, as I told you before we started to record, it's just jaw dropping. I'm in awe that we're here. And so I took all of that learning and experience and the things that we still embody to say, hey, let's help you design the life that you love to live. And so that's what we just call it, life design. So I've asked that question of many guests before. No one's delivered that concise of an answer ever. Mm -hmm. I should Mm -hmm. just stop the podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) All the values been added to our listeners. I'm just done. There's so many things to drill into there. And, And first of all, the reason I asked the question, why are you qualified to have an opinion on this is because you, you eminently are, right? I think when people see as you described, your LinkedIn profile, your social persona, you speaking in a conference. And by the way, most influencers, let's just be honest, in any social platform, typically show the glittery side of themselves, the yeah. success, the fact that I ground my way to the top. And many of them, when, they, when you find out that they've had something impact their lives, that there's a great cost to, some, to that at, at times. They don't drill into it. They don't talk about it. They don't own it. They deny it. The reason you're qualified is you own it. You describe how you got there. You own every bit of it. And we talked when we first met, uh, I think the hero to the story is, is your wife, yeah. right? I mean, 100%. the fact that she stood by you, recognized that you were in a place you, you shouldn't be, and then put her hand out and helped you up there. And then together, you figured out how we're going to build this back together. To me, that is, there are heroes to every story. She's the hero. And I've interviewed one other gentleman who's going to come out in a similar podcast. Similar story, by the way, Carl. So I'll make an introduction after this. Just God bless her. That's all I can say. God bless her. I am continually in awe of her, of her strength. I tell her all the time, she's the strongest person I know. Yeah. Her strength of character, her loyalty, her love for me, her grace. It's mind boggling. And it gives you a whole new perspective on life and relationship. Sure. And, and she, and, and whether this was 
intentional or just inherently how she's wired, she did that for you and your children, right? The fact that she kept all that glue together is just amazing. Yeah, just amazing. It, it really is. And, and and it is a lot of how she's wired and, and through it all too, she is the wisdom she dispenses. I hear her on the phone with people and I'm just like, so yeah, I am to say I outkicked my coverage is an understatement. She's going to have to be my next guest. She would be an incredible guest. Would she be open to that? She absolutely would. Yeah. All right. That's coming offline. I'd love to have her on the show because I'd, I'd be great to hear her perspective, right? And how she was able to rise up to forgiveness and, and build it back. And I'm sure every day is, you know, every day is a new adventure, right? Yeah. It's not like a switch flips forgiveness. It's all over. You still got to build that foundation every day. Oh, a- absolutely. And, and, and one of the things we've realized is, you know, any marriage, even when it doesn't have all the garbage that I dragged into ours, any good marriage takes a lot of hard work. It and, does. and that's what we tell people is we work really hard at this marriage that we have now. So let's step back to 2015. You've hit rock bottom. What was the defining moment where you said to yourself, not only do I have to make a change, but I'm ready to make a change. Those are two very different things. But when did you realize I have to and I'm ready? Yeah, I don't know that I can pinpoint one. There was there was a couple of pivotal moments. There okay. wasn't like you know Paul on the road to Damascus moment where I had the <laughs> shining light. It probably would have been a little easier sure. if that had been the case. Great um, analogy, you know, though. To be real honest, uh, you know, Pete, I probably for the first, I want to say three, maybe even six months, I, I was just trying to control the narrative and make sure that people didn't know or, or it control the story type of thing. So I remember one time shortly after the gig was up, uh, my attorney called. So I picked up the phone. I remember exactly where I was. I had flown to Orange County and I was in the airport and he called and I picked up and I was like, Hey, how you doing? He said, look, I'm not calling you as your attorney. I'm calling you as a friend. Yeah. If anybody's straightforward, it's John Buckley. And he said, you have one of two choices. You can either go live this life that you've been hiding from everybody and live out the persona that you created, or you can fall on your knees and beg forgiveness and turn your life around. The choice is yours. That's all I had to say. Goodbye. Holy shit. Yeah. It was that moment where I was like, okay. And then shortly after that, I met with a therapist, just came clean, told him everything. And then he said, so why are you here? And I was kind of like, did you hear a freaking word? I just said, so I said to him, I said, I'm here because I want my wife back. I want my kids back. I want my life back. And he said, yeah, I, I don't think I can help you. And then I got really pissed off. And I said, I don't think you've heard a word of what I said. I said, what, what the hell do you mean? And he said, if you're doing it simply to gain stuff back, you and I are going to be having this conversation in the next five to seven years. Wow. He said, if you want to change because you're sick and tired of living in a way that's unhealthy and living in a way that is such a departure from who you were created to be, let's get to work. And that's when I started to be like, okay, this has to be about me, which sounds at the surface selfish. Sure. The reality was I had to do the work on me so I could get back to a place of health. Now I didn't do it. I always hoped our marriage would be redeemed and my relationship with my kids would be redeemed. Sure. But I didn't use it as the motivation that if I do this, then this, my motivation at that point just became like, I'm sick and tired of living behind this little kid who's desperately wounded. And instead of dealing with it, walks around giving everybody the middle finger. Right. 
So you hope that other people going through something like this have the two people you just mentioned in their life somehow. Yeah. Number one, a friend, John Buckley, hashtag at John Buckley, congratulations. Very few people in someone's life, friends or family, that would make that phone call and have the balls to hang up and say, you just digest what I gave you. This isn't a conversation, right? This is an ultimatum. And then the therapist that you talk to, I mean, what an astounding thing to say to you right out of the gate, right? I'm not a shoulder to cry on here, Carlos, right? If you're doing this just to get back with your family, it's amazing, but you realize you may never get them back, but you still have to be a better person. And then it's up to God whether or not he wants to put you all back together. That's right. Astounding. Just great stuff. I will say this too. I'm going to make a, I'm going to paint with a broad brushstroke. Yeah. I would venture to say that almost everybody who's listening has those people in their lives. I had those people in my life before all my crap came out. I just wasn't willing to share it. I made the choice to live in isolation. And so what I saw is once I did come out and say, yeah, this is what I've done. Keep in mind, not who I am. This is what I've done. These are the choices I've made. That's when I saw my community and I understood who my real friends were. They were always there. I just never let them see that side of me. You know, that's powerful. You're right. The people that would be willing to make that phone call will rise up. Yes. They really will. And the other people will fall away. And as you bring your life back to where it needs to be, they shouldn't be back in your life because they weren't there when you needed them. That's correct. Yeah. And you will be able to see that very plainly where you start to say, you know what, this isn't a relationship I need because it's not not a relationship that's going to help me be the best form of myself. Tightening up your inner circle is a hard thing for people to do. It is. Yeah. My wife and I have been blessed. We, we have several circles of friends that we've met through church, through sports, through school, through relatives, et cetera, right? But we've always had a bit of a criteria, and our criteria was very simple. When we hang around with people and we choose to spend time with them, and there are moments when our children are with us when we are around them, we have one criteria. Would we trust these people with our kids? I like and that. If the answer is no, they're not in our life. Right. Because then we're just faking it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's amazing how... When my oldest son went to become confirmed, he asked one of my closest friends to be his sponsor. Oh, wow. That's awesome. It is awesome. And you know, we have a very good, deep relationship with their family. Their youngest daughter is his special needs and an amazing child. And all my kids have just got a very great relationship with her, partly because they've seen how her siblings interact with her. Right. So when, they, when he reached out to Harry, I think it meant a lot to Harry, but it meant a lot to me that we have friends that my kids will look up to in that way. Well, absolutely. That's a huge testament to that friendship and that bond. No question about it. And I'm I'm blessed to have five or 10 men in my life like that, that I can look to and and be inspired both spiritually as well as as just being a better man, right? Yeah. And a father. Yeah. All right. So you've made this journey. You've recognized it's time for a change. If you were going to break it down to like, what are the first three things you did to, to build you back, right? Where did you go and how did that happen? And then we'll start maybe with your family and then how this whole purpose, your mission came about. Let's start with you first. What, what are the first things you did? Yeah, the first thing I did is start to just deconstruct the, the person I had built up, the persona. Quite honestly, I was a jackass. And that's putting it mildly. Well, I, first of all, I just, I just threw myself into it. You know, Suzanne will tell me all the time and she says, I love you, but you're a man of extremes and she's not wrong. And so I threw myself into recovery and just relentless pursuit of getting back to my core identity. Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I started to look back and I'm like, here I am traveling. I'm wearing, I'm wearing suits with cufflinks. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it was wrong for me because yeah. it's just not who I am. Right. So I started around every level. And again, with the help of that therapist, really just started to deconstruct and then started to journey back through and saying, it's never an excuse, but what's the explanation? So I started to weed through some of that decades old hurt and wounding that sucked. I mean, it was gut-wrenching work, but it was so worth it because I was able to then say, all right, really shame had such a prominent place in my life and in my psyche. That was what was running me where now I hear that voice and I go, okay, yeah, I did some shitty things and still doesn't mean that that's who I am Sure. or, Hey, yeah, that presentation sucked. And if one person was impacted, then it was worth it. So I have a total different relationship with that. So that probably took, well, definitely over a year. Mm-hmm. I've read a lot. I put my hands on anything and I'm not a vivacious, uh, vivacious reader, but in this period of my life, anything that's anybody recommended and probably the most impactful book I read for me was Lovable by Kelly Flanagan. And it's something that I recommend to all my clients. It's I'm absolutely in love with that book. Such a profound, profound impact on my life about identity. And then once I got clear on that, I remember the moment where I was able to look in the mirror and say, I love the guy looking back at me. And it was, it was an emotional moment for me because I had never been able to truly say that before. So wow. with all of my warts, all of what I knew about my past, all of, you know, that, that crap, I was able to sit there and look myself in the eye and say, man, I love you. And that in and of itself was transformational. Peaceful. And from, oh, yeah, just serene. Yeah. From there, I was able to say, I know what my purpose is. Shortly is to just help as many people as possible. So it's interesting. This is an unscientific study I've conducted, Carlos. It's leading to a book that I have titled and I'm now going to write called The Eyes Have It. Eyes is spelled E-Y-E-S and have it is capital I-T. And here's what I mean. I have met many people like you who, quite frankly, your, your brain and your intellect operate at a very high level. You have an ability to solve problems, drive business deals, be successful at a very high level, which to your point drives ego, drives this thirst for moving forward. But a lot of times when you run at that high level, every part of your emotional psyche and intellect runs at that level Yeah, and it's not sustainable. That's right. Something's going to give, and it's either going to be your family, your career, one of those things. Sometimes it's both, but I've sat in the room and that's just carve off the business side of people like you. Sometimes I sit in a room with folks like you and I just go, holy shit, it's freaking brilliant. Like my mind would have taken four steps to get where Carlos just got to. And then we'll step outside the room and I'll look at that and I'll go, but you know what? When it comes to this part of my life, I know that's wrong. Yeah, I don't need to get there. Carlos yeah. will get there, but I'm there already. So it's it's weird how those things balance. I, I'm I'm kind of grateful for my poor intellect. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's maybe a better husband and father. I don't know. But I will tell you, in that same conversation, I have met less than a handful, literally less than a handful of people who run at that level, who've had that epiphany that you have, right? That rock bottom moment who've been able to make the change. Yeah, it's hard work. You got to put the genie in the bottle. That's hard work, like you said, right? And it's a continual process. It is still, I was sharing with a friend of mine the other day and and then Suzanne previous to that, 
we had an opportunity to speak together at a marriage conference, which was mind blowing because seven years previous, we were at the same marriage conference. And I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever been a part of. No kidding. So I called it 360 redemption. I love to speak. I feel like God's given me that gift. And I used to be able to walk off stage, especially when you know, and you've done speaking enough to know when you really nail it. And I, I used to walk like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm just that good. You know, that's your inner talk track. What I've realized though, for me to keep that ego in check is to lead with a spirit of gratitude and just say, I am so thankful I have the opportunity to be here. I am thankful that God has given me this gift. What an unbelievable opportunity to be here seven years later and have this. And I don't believe that gratitude and ego can exist in the same space. That's a brilliant thought process right there. I think you're probably right. Yeah. It can't for me. And so it is, it's, you know, I I don't want anybody to sit here and listen and go that, you know, Hey, gee, this guy's got it all figured out. I I, I don't, this is a continual journey. And, you know, as you mentioned, Suzanne is, is such a great cheerleader, encourager, accountability partner, where, you know, we, she just helps me continue to figure this all out. And there are days when it's, I'm like, Oh, I kind of, I can feel it. I can feel that starting to bubble up and I just don't want to go back there. And it's good that you have someone that's going to hold you accountable there. Yeah. My guess is uh, John Buckley would have no problem smacking you back into the right lane as well if he needed to. Oh, John's made it very clear the uh, what what hell will rain down. So, yeah, <laughs> he put, he put a little more delicately. In, <laughs> yeah, even though we don't live in Colorado anymore, so I think the words "break it off" were uh, in that sentence. <laughs> Good for him. So let's uh, let's take the next step in the journey. You've, you've you've had this moment where you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, "You know, I love the guy I see." That has got to be so hard, but so mind-boggling, like you said, peaceful, serene, right? Yeah. Then you think to yourself, I've got this mission to help as many people as possible, which let's pause there. That's not easy because you have to show you're vulnerable and open up some pretty dark parts of your past to do that. When you're rebuilding the business and building this coaching business, what was your, when you said, I want to help as many people as possible, how did you think you would do that? I mean, when you got up the next day and said, all right, here we go. What is it you thought would be the right way? Yeah. The first thing I did was if I'm here now, to keep this to myself, and again, I'm not casting judgment on anybody else, for me, I would feel supremely selfish, right? Because I know I lived in the corporate world for years, 25 years as a sales and marketing guy. I knew I wasn't the only one. So the first thing I did is I left my company. I left the, the company I started. I had no idea what I was going to do next. Didn't have some big savings to fall back on. I just literally took the leap. I had to put all of that behind me. Right. I'm sharing this with a friend, my journey, God bless him, James. He says, man, you got to write a book. I'm like, ah, you know, I've written a book, but it was about marketing. It's pretty boring. And he says, dude, I'm serious. Write a book. So I took that thought and never with the thought of I will coach people, but it was like, you know what? A book is probably going to be the best way for me to in one concise way share what I've learned, what I've been through, and in that, hopefully reach at least one person. So in 2019, published The Un-American Dream, which was pretty much based on my journey. doesn't go into morbid details. And Suzanne and I discussed a lot of that. Suzanne has an unbelievable chapter in the middle because I do feel it's important to look at the other side and see the impact that our actions have on people. And from there... I just promoted it and said, hey, this is, 
this is my story. And, and if this can help you, and the response was fantastic. Um, I've had a lot of people, every once in a while, I'll still get an email. It's, it'll be three years in June, which is hard to believe. Mm-hmm. And then I had an individual call a couple of individuals and say, hey, do you do coaching? I was like, what? What do you mean? And they're like, well, I read your book and this, and I find myself in this spot. So I called a buddy of mine who I knew was doing coaching. And I said, how do I do this? What do I put together? And so I went for it. And what I found was, again, that's just like, holy crap. Talk about beauty from ashes. The fact that I'm able to now use this and then use the, and how we are living today and how we're managing and designing our own lives to help other people. Like it just doesn't get better than that. And then I was interviewing an individual on our podcast, which you were on last year. And I kept, apparently kept using this term life design life. De- and he finally said, you know, you're after, after we recorded, he said, you're really onto something with this whole life design thing, pursue that. So I just took that as a affirmation. And so we did. And so now we kind of built this entire, I hate to say program, but this entire approach that we help people with to say, you know what? Life shouldn't design you. You only get one. You have 168 hours a week. Forget about work-life balance, integration, harmony, life work. It's life. How do you design that life and everything that includes in it? And at the same time, hold your plans loosely and follow what's unfolding. And it starts with getting back to who you were created to be. Wow. So fast forward, you've launched this life design, like you said, kind of program or approach or platform. Yeah. You've got two parts of your business, right? The coaching side, you're still at, at heart a really good marketer. So there's some consulting opportunities for you to help brands and corporations build it. Help everybody kind of understand this, uh, this hard left or right you took about a year ago where you said, I need to unplug again and go on a trip with my wife. You sold everything, bought an RV, and then spent almost a year driving across the country, right? Spent seven months. Seven yeah, months. We had a, we had a, and, and to be clear, we did work. I did work out yeah. of the back of the RV. We, as part of, again, our life, life design plan and putting our lives back together, when our youngest was a sophomore, we started to kick around the idea, okay, well, we're going to be empty nesters. We were pretty sure we'd gone through the worst of it of we even now are like, you know, fixing up this house that we bought. I kind of jumped to the end here, but we're like, people are like, oh, you two seem to be getting along so well. We're like, oh, this is nothing. We love to travel. We love to travel together. So we started kicking around things. So this was pre-COVID, obviously. Like, hey, why don't we just take a year and go to Europe and we'll pick 12 countries and we'll country hop one a month. And then it was like, well, do we want to do that, but do it in the States and pick 12 cities? Do we want to move to Australia and New Zealand? And do that. And so every idea was on the table. And we still have these discussions. We'll be like, hey, just brainstorm, thinking out loud, spitball, and whatever we do. And we just throw as many ideas into this proverbial kind of thought pot to stew around. Sure. And then COVID hit. So the international stuff was going to be out. Mm-hmm. We had done some RVing with our friends. And so Suzanne said, What would you think about this? And I was like, whoa, that just kind of makes me a little uneasy going from 3,700 square feet to an RV. Not because it was such close proximity with her, but of like, I I need my space. Mm -hmm. Then she got really smart and she said, well, if we got a fifth wheel and got a truck, and I'll be honest, I don't know what she said after truck. She She had had me a truck. (laughs) Brilliant. Yeah. And so once we committed to that, we did start saying, you know what? there's a bunch of stuff we don't need. So we gave a lot away. We sold a bunch of stuff. 
ended up selling the house in October of 20, right after our youngest went off to college. And we bought a fifth wheel. And I kept saying to her, are we really doing this? And she'd be like, yeah. And, and it's something that we now talk about with our clients. She kept saying to me, what's the very worst thing that happens? We hate it. We sell it and buy another house. That's like the worst thing. Right. And so once I really wrapped my head around that, I was like, yeah, she's right. And I got to tell you, we freaking loved it. So we saw 11 different states. We went from Colorado all the way up to New York. And man, it was, it was just awesome. I would do it again in a heartbeat. And we had such a great time. My respect level for Suzanne just went up a little bit more because I don't know <laughs> that my wife would even know what the term fifth wheel means. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. yeah she, she is, my wife is a researcher. She'd done her homework. Yeah. Oh, we knew exactly even down to the model number of what our, what uh, fifth wheel we went, we uh, went with. She, I honestly, I told, keep telling her, I'm like, I wish we were friends in high school. She could have done all my homework for me. <laughs> so you wrapped up the, the tour across the United States. Yeah. You told us kind of before we started recording that you ended up in a place that had a lot of memories back in your childhood. Explain that to us. There's a little town in the Adirondack mountains that we call home now. It's called Scroon Lake. It has a nine-mile lake that covers two counties uh, worth wind walking distance. I started coming here in 76 as a five-year-old kid coming up to camp here with my family. We lived in Jersey at the time. Started coming up here in the summers to work. My dad moved us up here for four years during my junior high and early high school years. And then Suzanne and I moved here in the 90s, had our first child here. And then we moved away, but we kept coming back. We kept bringing our kids. We'd vacation here. There was three years in a row. Friends of ours gave us a house on the river. We spent six weeks here. So our kids loved it. And like Suzanne has said, this place just gets in your soul in the best of ways. And so for the last five years, we've been checking out real estate and looking at it. And everybody knows the market is so hot everywhere. And we saw a house online. We were in actually in Mississippi. Uh, we were in the middle of our RV adventure and went to go visit our youngest son in Mississippi. House popped up. We knew the house because it had beautiful gardens. And so I said, well, look at this. Price was right. We called our realtor. We did a FaceTime walkthrough on a Sunday afternoon. By Sunday night, we put an offer in. And by Monday, they accepted. And then we were like, oh, Okay. So it was an easy yes, but at the same time, there was a little bit of sadness because we didn't expect, we had planned two years in the RV, mm. but again, that whole idea, follow what's unfolding. Yeah. So we pulled the trigger and we moved up here in June and uh, have been thrilled of our little town and walk in, walk to dinner and no stoplights. Nearest McDonald's is 25 miles away. It's, it's a little bit of heaven. We'll see you on uh, the 2022 version of the Hallmark Channel. You'll be on three or four episodes, <laughs> I believe. Yeah, it's it's about that for this town. You for can't sure. kiss Suzanne till the end of the movie, though. Yeah, well, that that might be a challenge. How about the end of the episode? Yeah, <laughs> Carlos, when you think about all the different things you described in your journey, what's next for you in the coaching business as well as the consulting business? When you wake up in the morning, where are you finding the most joy? Yeah, I find the most joy in just being able to help people through our coaching. I think, Pete, you've been in the corporate world. I see so many people who've adopted this belief of, well, this is just how it is. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. Now, it's not going to be without some 
fear, some trepidation, uh, some change. But the first step is just saying, you know what, the pain of how I am living is now outweighed the fear and pain of change. I'm ready to start something. And I think it's the, it can start with the smallest little shift and smallest little step. So for those listening and anyone that this is registering with, right, that thinks, man, I could, I'm there, Carlos, I could use some help. Yeah. Help us understand how that works. I know you probably do some speaking at events uh, where you can motivate a large group of people. And like you said, if you just reach one person in the audience that raises their hand privately and says, I need help, that's great. Yeah. But how does someone discreetly engage and work with you? And then how do you help them? Because I think a big part of your journey was just stepping out and owning it, right? You stopped running away from it. How do you help them get, get there? So first of all, you just go to our website, okay. yourlifedesigngourney.com. And we'll put that in the show notes, by the way, as well. Yeah, thanks for that. So, you know, we've got some blog posts. We've got our own podcast there. We're in our third season. And we just try to interview people who are either coaches like us or have their own story. So that's one way. You don't even have to identify yourself. I, okay. You know, we don't have anything gated. You can sign up for our newsletter, which just goes out weekly, which is some, it's pretty short. It's usually about a 60 second read of just things we're thinking about and we want to share with you. Um, the other way is I, we offer one-on-one coaching yeah. and that's uh, usually done in six month increments. Everything okay. is hundred percent confidential. And then the third way is we have uh, a cohort group where it's a group of peers that is learning together that also involves some one-on-one coaching. Um, everything said in that group is confidential. We also have a community, a closed community of those cohort members on Facebook. And it's been my greatest joy to just seeing those people really form. I had one individual tell me to the other day, this is my tribe. And I'm like, I'm still just in awe. It's just God's redeeming grace. You know, the fact that we get to be a catalyst to bring some pe- good people together and people who want to make change. But the biggest thing I would say is you're not alone. Right. You're not alone. And so if you want to bypass all that and just say, hey, Carlos, can I grab 30 minutes with you? Just email me at carlos at yourlifedesignjourney.com and we will find 30 minutes. But don't isolate yourself. It's torture. So that's wonderful that, that people can reach out. I think if you're listening to this, you're probably in a situ- one of two situations. One, you need this, right? You're thinking to yourself, I need Carlos's help. But you also might be a John Buckley, right? You might know someone who needs that phone call and don't be afraid to give them that phone call and then also throw them a lifeline. Like, hey, you need to get this figured out and here's someone you can talk to and pass along your information. So I yeah. hope people think, you know, think two ways to engage. First of all, I'm grateful that we've met. Second, just always a joy to speak with you. And it's inspiring, right? All of us have a journey and we're all a work in progress. And you give uh, anyone listening a tremendous amount of hope. Well, thanks, Pete. That that means a lot. Um, I feel the exact same way. I'm so glad we we met and I look forward to continuing the relationship. Absolutely. And you can tell Suzanne that I will be reaching out. <laughs> I, will, I will send an email introduction. I'll let you two take it from there. Please do. That'd be great. So folks, again, I'll put uh, the, the methods to reach Carlos and, uh, and follow not only his content, but also engage with him and the team and, and really digging deep. And, and, and you said following God's plan for yourself. So thanks again for the time. Best of luck in the rest of the remodel. Thanks. Yeah, we're, we're getting close. The light at the end of the tunnel is near. We'll want to see some pictures before and after then too. Absolutely, for sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Carlos. Appreciate it. Thanks. See Bye. ya. 
Thanks for checking out Eating Crow. Like and subscribe so you never miss a video. 